so there was uh, there was some craziness at our house yesterday. I was in the dining room and it was all quiet in the dining room. And then something horrible must have happened because our granddaughter Kira started screaming. She come to visit from Chicago area and she was upstairs screaming. Something terrible was happening. That was my. Bad. She couldn't get down the stairs because there was uh, uh, kids something terrible in the way and I needed to help her. She screamed for a while, and then I went up and said, what is it? And she said, it's a stink bug. <laughs> she couldn't get down the stairs. But I got it out of the way, didn't I? And then she came on down. So it's like, what's your favorite bug? You have a favorite bug? I have a, I have a favorite bug. I'm going to read you a poem by Robert Frost, so you'll all be all literary. Um, and you tell me what my favorite bug is. Are you ready? Here we go. Here come real stars to fill the upper skies. And here on earth come emulating flies. That though they never equal stars in size, and they were never really stars at heart, achieve at times a very star-like start. Only they cannot sustain the part. We're talking about my favorite bug. Fireflies. And today, I am continuing a series of messages on the treasure of good things. And these today are about lights. When I was a boy, my favorite fly, bug was the firefly because we lived in a little town in, in the country and in the evening we would go out in the right time of the year, maybe early June and sit on the porch and in the, when the night got dark, these beautiful fireflies would light up the night. We would catch them in a jar and put them on our dressers and we would watch them. They would not really be all that pretty if it wasn't dark out though. Sometimes we see the Lord best. Our hearts go out to Ken and Gigi and Zach and Wagner and Jerry Maxwell and Hazen and to all of you. The earthly loss of Linnea. What a precious soul. What a beautiful young woman. What a testimony that she had. And um, it's, a, it's a painful sting. I can't imagine. And there's much in the world that could discourage us. School shootings, drug epidemics, uh, false religion, religious pretenders, religious persecution, political stupidity. Right? We live in a morally and spiritually dark world, and every once in a while the darkness just chokes us, right? So today I want to share some things that are just a treasure in my heart that have helped me make my way through when I have to pass through a dark valley. So three of them that are especially helpful to me. Here's the first one. I'm going to call it this. Number one, note takers. Number one. Number one. Remember the firefly principle. Just write that down. I'll explain it later. Remember the firefly principle. Let's establish from the Bible we live in a dark world. Ephesians 6.12. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. That means like the demonic forces in, in the world. Against rulers of the darkness of this age. Real spiritual darkness. This is true. Against spiritual hosts. That means spiritual armies. And they're, and they're wicked. And they're in the heavenly places. Meaning they, they surround the atmosphere around us. It, 
it, it, we live in a dark, a spiritually dark world. Dark means evil, dark means ignorant. Colossians 1 and 13 says he's delivered us, but he's delivered us from what? The power of darkness. Well, the Bible teaches that this darkness has a power. John 3, 19, this condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So this darkness and evil, darkness and ignorance are tied together. In the book of Acts, and we could do this throughout the scriptures, but in the book of Acts in chapter 26 and verse 18, it's a, a description of when people come to know the Lord and open their eyes and they're turned from darkness, from spiritual darkness to light. And the Bible says they're turned from the power of Satan to God. This is a pretty strong language. This darkness, there's, there's a satanic power around us. There's a satanic power trying to hurt you, trying to harm you. There's a demonic power that hates what this church stands for and what we're doing here. And this the power of darkness this is all around us. It's true. And it reaches into, you know, it's grip into our lives from time to time. But... But in this dark world, what, here's, what, here's what the Bible says. You know this. We are the light of the world. We are the light. You are the light of the world. You're saying, wow, how do I do that? And there's a beauty in light, isn't there? So maybe you heard this, but like we have a new house. Did I tell you that? Did I mention that? I think I mentioned that. Yeah. And it's a little, it's a little farmhouse in the country. So we've, we've, we've thought it would be nice to live in a little farmhouse in the country all of our lives. But now the Lord, in a very smiling providence, has given us a little farmhouse in the country just overwhelmingly sweet really is and, and you, you just stumble on little things you didn't expect you know like the smell of an old barn our garage don't call the garage it's a barn it's a barn it smells like a barn kind of we went up to bed early like old people the other night Lois and I were tired we went up early I'm embarrassed to tell you how early it was and it was dark outside and the moon was coming up in the, in the southern sky and then in, in another smiling and sweet province of God, we have south-facing windows on our little farmhouse. So the moonlight came through the window and it fell on the ground in front of our bed. And I had to choke back tears because of the beauty of that moonlight on the floor. Light is really beautiful in the dark place, amen? We live in a really dark world, but we are the light. We're the light. God is empowering us to be the beauty of light. You know this passage. It's, it's in Jesus' beautiful teaching in Matthew in chapter 5. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men. And then they give us a hint about how to let your shine. That they can see your good deeds, the good things you do. That's your light. That's part of your light. To see your good deeds and they glorify God. 1 Peter 2.9 says this. You're a chosen generation. This night, a royal priesthood. This is you, a holy nation, his own special people. The old version of the Bible said peculiar. And I was like, that's true too. If you know any Christians, they're weird as heck. Am I right? Yes, yeah. So his own, his own, you're looking at somebody else right now, like his own peculiar, his own special people. And that you may proclaim the praises of him. Who called you, do you know the rest of this? Out of darkness into his marvelous light. And Ephesians, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Ephesians 5. I'll show you an extended passage about this light. 
how do you expose the darkness in a world? Like, we're supposed to expose darkness. How do you do that? You get a blog and you say mean things about bad people? Some of you are like, yeah, that's how you do it. Well, uh, Ephesians and chapter 5 talks about this, uh, Paul has written here, you know, about living in a dark, dark world and how to expose the darkness. It's really kind of interesting, you know, and it talks about the things you would expect. Verse 3, sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness. It shouldn't even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Hey, here's a little aside, a little minor treasure among the others. If you have trouble with bad, how many of you have trouble with bad language from time to time? Like you're here with your family, so come on. Like, raise your hand. You have trouble with bad language from time to time? How many of you ever said anything bad in your entire life? Thank you. Some of you are like, how many of you just lied in church? Yeah, I thought, come on. So, so here's a tip. If you have trouble saying things that you shouldn't say, displace it with what? I'll read it again. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, no crude joking. They're out of place. They're not fitting for saints, right? Instead, let there be what? Thanksgiving. So there's a little tip for you. If you have trouble saying bad words or saying crude things, saying mean things, saying gossip or slander, stuff like that, stop and thank God for something. There's stuff everywhere. There's moonlight on the floor, right? Little children in the hallways here. A loyal dog, amen? Right? Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Some of you are like, huh? So then, moving on, for you may be sure of this, Everyone who's sexually immoral, impure, or covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. This is a serious language. This is serious, right? Therefore, do not associate with them. In other words, don't be in fellowship with them. Don't join them in that. Don't associate with them in that, right? Because at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that's good and right and true. Light means good and right and true. This is what should characterize us because we're saints, holy ones, filled with the Holy Spirit, right? This is the way that we ought to be. And then it says, don't take part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but expose them, expose them. But the question is, how do you expose the works of darkness? How do you do that? Again, you get a placard that has the name of your favorite you hate this kind of sinner and march around with a placard that says you hate that kind of sinner because people really get converted fast when you do that you know you just go wave tell them you are going to hell and i'm kind of excited about it <laughs> so I, that just makes people go oh i i love jesus too i want to be a christian are you guys going to have chili soon i'll come like no that's, how does it work but expose them it's shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret but when anything is exposed by light it becomes visible for anything that becomes visible is light therefore it says awake O sleeper and rise from the dead and christ will shine on you what's it saying it's saying you expose evil deeds by good deeds you show the difference right if somebody's like that the fornication word was used if somebody's involved in fornication you show them what family looks like if somebody's involved in slander, you show them what Thanksgiving looks like, right? If somebody's talking about things you shouldn't even talk about, 
You talk about, you open your mouth and speak as the oracles of God. When you open your mouth, you say things that are just pleasing and sweet and kind and good and right and true and pure and holy and, and biblical and sound and, and, and faith building and inspiring and encouraging. You talk like that. And that light is like people are like, what is that? This is not the way we talk in this shop. Where did this guy come from? What's up with this? He doesn't like involve himself in his, into filthy jokes, but he's always there with an encouraging word. That's how you expose the darkness. Let me show you one more. I love this one. This is in uh, Philippians and chapter 2. It would be good for you to turn here. Be here just a moment. In Philippians chapter 2, here's another example about how to shine your light. And I'll explain what the firefly principle is real directly in a second here but let me show you it comes out of this philippians 2 and 14 i, I like this uh, philippians 2 and verse 14 um it says in verse let's see in verse uh, 15 it's the part there that says we live in the midst of a crooked twisted perverted generation go ahead and say amen if you want to yeah amen and among whom you shine as lights in the world right we live a, you so you look around, you think, man, this world is messed up. It's twisted. It's perverted. It's distorted. It's bad. Okay, so what do you do? You, you shine as lights in the world. Okay? How do you do that? How, how do you do that? How do you, how should we shine as lights in the, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world? How do you do that? Well, you read the whole context, right? Look at verse 13. Yeah, verse 12. Therefore, as you've always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out or display your salvation in fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to, to work for his good pleasure. And look at verse 14. This is so interesting to me. Do all things without grumbling or questioning. Anybody here ever grumble or question or complain? Raise your hand. We're going to work on this today. We're going to get, yes, I, a little more are willing to admit grumbling than bad talk. I'm not really sure that was true, but like a little bit more willing to admit that. That seems so benign. Yeah, who doesn't complain every once in a while? Well, here's how you hold, here's how you hold forth the word of life in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as light to the world by not complaining. By not complaining. Isn't that interesting? That's not that hard. Get up in the morning and say, not going to complain today. Not going to complain. Because after all, I'm a light in this dark world. And then people at work, they're like, what? She never, you ever hear some little old lady in the church goes to be with the Lord and they say, she never complained about anything. I'm always like, did you, how many of y'all never, never complain about anything? Never has heard a discouraging word. It's like home on the range. Like, that's hard not to complain about stuff. So this is the firefly principle. Are you ready? Here it is. Can write this down. The darker the night, the brighter the light shines. You say, oh, we live in a dark world. Yes, this is an opportunity for you. You're like a firefly. You look better. The darker it gets, the better you look. The darker it is, the more powerful your love is. The more powerful your kindness is. The more powerful your careful speech is. The more powerful your orderly, Christ-like living. The more powerful it is to love your wife and to love your kids and to be good to your husband and, and to treat him right. That, that's very powerful because the world around us is just so spiritually evil and wicked and dark. The brighter the night the darker the night, the brighter the light shines. That's the firefly principle. I always taught my kids that when they were younger. I'm like, if you go for a job interview, and if God's delivered you from like taking drugs, you're already way ahead of everybody else. And if you need to be delivered today from taking drugs, talk to some of our people that God's delivered them. 
some of our leaders, God's delivered them from taking, isn't that awesome? And he can help you. And, and, but if you go for a job interview and they go, we have drug testing, you're like, I'm good on drug testing, I, I don't take drugs, you know. Or, or, or you show up on time. Like most people just like, they, don't, they take drugs and they don't show up on time. So in a dark world where everybody takes drugs and doesn't show up on time, if you don't take drugs and show up on time, you're way out ahead of everybody else. So you don't have to be outstanding to be outstanding anymore. <laughs> you just have to be like, you have to be what your grandpa would have beat you for not being when I was a kid, right? that make sense son if you're not gonna hold the door for a woman you know I'm gonna have to take you out grandpa would say loving and endearing things like that you know you don't do that with the American flag son stand up on your feet young man I've seen men die for that flag you know that's the way grandpa's talk you know so if you get up when the flag goes by or you are kind to older people or you shake hands firmly and look them in the eye or you show up for work on time you do like Christian things people are gonna go you're outstanding now a few generations ago you were just normal but now you're outstanding because the darker the night, the brighter the light. Isn't that great? It really is an opportunity. A dark world is an opportunity for a little firefly speck of a person to just do some of the things that Christians are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do. It's the firefly principle. The darker the night, the brighter the light. And no amount of darkness can extinguish even the smallest light. That's powerful, right? No amount of darkness can extinguish even the smallest light. Um, first John, uh, I'm sorry, Gospel of John 1, 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The life of Jesus is the light of men, right? And that light shines in darkness, and the darkness can never overcome it. I'll say it again so you can say amen right there, because it's fun to say amen in church sometimes. Right? Here we go. Like, like, the light shines in darkness, and the darkness will never overcome it. That's like, amen. Right? You know, I just tell the Baptist people, they're all like, amen. Isn't that great? And the other people are like, mm-hmm. it really is an opportunity. They're looking all a Presbyterian there, right? Like, sorry, Sue. That's, that's terrible uh, behavior on my part. When I was a boy, I pastored a church at 17. I pastored a church in the country. It was a little humble church, a handful of 40 people. And, no and they called me to pastor the church. I went up to sing, and they asked me to come back to preach, and they asked me to keep coming back to preach. So it didn't look pretty, but I was a 17-year-old pastor. Um, and it would have been embarrassing if you'd have heard all the things I said. But anyway, I, I drove up there on Sunday morning, and I'd stay over on Sunday afternoon, have a meal with somebody, and then preach on Sunday night, drive home on Wednesday night. I'd hurry home from my school, and I'd sit at the end of my bed with a little typewriter, and I would type out a little Bible study, and I'd get on my... VW and I drive right, back up to like, Pleasant like Ridge Bible Church in Fort Recovery, Ohio. Never overcome it. Uh, in the fall of the year, when the, you know, after the time changes started getting dark earlier, I remember the first time that I came up down Watkins Road on a Wednesday night, and and, and Mr. Stump, one of the old timers in the church, had gotten the building open before I got there, and he turned the lights on. It was just a homeless little white country church, but the lights on inside shone out through these. They spared no expense for these stained glass windows. And I remember just the, the awe that I felt when I drove my little car up over the rise in the road and I saw that beautiful little building with the, with the light shining out from the inside. It was just so magnetic and so beautiful. That's the way it is in this sad, dark world where people are trying to make their way alone and they're lost and they're ignorant they're lo- they don't know anything and they don't know what's going on their families are coming apart their kids are hurting they need to see the beauty of a jesus people a G- beauty of a jesus church that you know that that's humble and sweet and kind and loving and you know invites them in and is is not you know not pseudo pious and you know but but genuinely kind and loving and good and and right that's the light they need to see so that's number one 
Remember the firefly principle that the darker the night, the brighter the light shines, and you are the light of the world. It leads me to this one, and you've got to hang on for this, because some of you are going to disagree with me. How many of you say, like, I'm gonna, we're going to vote between optimist and realist. How many of you say, I'm an optimist, raise your hand, optimist, raise your hand, okay, yeah, yeah. We're voting a lot today, you notice that? How many of you say, I'm more of a realist, I'm the realist type, yeah, <laughs> okay. So just like for, for, for rhetorical impact, let me just say, I'm going to suggest to you it's only realistic for a Christian to be optimistic. That's the second treasure of my heart. I wake up in the morning, I decide I'm going to be optimistic. Why? It's totally realistic. I'm a Christian, right? Jesus saved me. Jesus forgave my sin. And even though I live in a dark world, I have a bright future, so I'm optimistic. I choose to be a man of faith. I choose to try to see things in a good way, in a bright way. I understand I'm not foolish about how dark the world is or how difficult the world is, but I'm not going to run scared of my shadow. So my dad, he lives in this house... And it has a walkout basement, and he goes down in the dark. He's really frugal, so he only turns the lights on when he needs them, and sometimes not even when he needs them. And he's he's going down, and my grand my dad wears pajamas around. He's, he's got so imagine my dad, he's got pajamas on, and he's making his way down into the basement of the house, which has a walkout basement, and he gets almost to the bottom of the stairs when he sees a black snake, kind of freaks him out, but he remembers that he has like a shovel at the top of the stairs. So with his bare feet and his pajama bottoms on, he goes back to the top of the stairs. He gets the shovel, and without turning on the light so that he won't scare the snake, he wants to kill it before it gets away. He takes the shovel, and then he, he very carefully makes his way across the basement floor, and he slams the shovel down on top of the snake's head, and he lands it perfectly. And then he, and when his eyes adjust, he realizes he just killed his belt. You should hear him tell that story. It's so funny. <laughs> a lot of what we're scared of is like not scary. Oh, some of it is, right? But a lot of what we're running from is like put on the eye, put on the glasses of faith and turn on the lights, people. Because a lot of the stuff you're afraid of or anxious about or worried about, it's just like, it's Satan trying to intimidate you. It's Satan trying to discourage you. It's trying to take your joy away from you. Make you mean and old and crabby like everybody else. You don't have to do that. There's such a thing as sweet little old men. You want to be one of those when you grow up, right? Amen? Unless you're a girl. You want to be a sweet little old lady when you grow up. An optimist. I know some of you are still thinking about that. I don't know about this. I'm just saying it's only realistic for a believer to be optimistic. And if you're thinking properly right now, you should say, you have given me no Bible verses to prove that. You know I'm about to do that, right? Because we can go all over this book and find reasons to be optimistic. Even when things are just heart-crushingly sad, we still have reasons to go, wait, yes, I know I'm going through this dark night of the soul right now, and I know that right now it's just natural for me to feel great pain and, and sadness or separation or, or just mourning or grief, but there's always this, like, this what they call the silver lining behind the cloud, and there's, there's always reason you know, for hope. Let me give you some examples because nothing is more powerful, of course, than just showing you in God's Word. Some examples would be, these are things you go back to over and over again. In Romans chapter 8, um, in verse 18, I consider the sufferings, fill in the blank there, right, of whatever you're going through. I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed 
to us. The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God for whom we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Not only the creation, but we have, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly, and we're waiting for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. In this hope, we are saved. Now, hope that's seen is not hope. Whoever hopes, who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience, and the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we, to how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. You see the three groaning things, right? The creation is groaning because we're in a broken, fallen world, and because we're living in a broken, fallen world, we're groaning. How many of you have arthritis, rheumatism, gout, lost a loved one, things aren't going well, lost a job, underemployed, unemployed, divorce, hurt, sad, groan, right? The whole creation is groaning, and we're groaning, and the Spirit groans in that says, for us, and what's it waiting for? It's waiting for us to show who we really are, for the children of God to get to, get to the redeemed place. And when the children of God, when the sons of God are in the redeemed place, when they come to re- redemption, then the lights will come on fully. Get, get it? That's, that's one example. Here's another one. Look in First Peter. And I think this is an interesting one because it's so dark. First uh, Peter in chapter uh, 3, and I have misspoken, it's Second uh, Peter in chapter uh, uh, 3. Second Peter chapter 3, and, and you have this apocalyptic language, like the world's going to come to a flaming end. That doesn't sound good, right? But listen, listen to what it says. The day of the Lord will come, this is Second Peter 3.10. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Like a thief, I'm sorry. And the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Just an exorcist here, just a little parenthetical. I believe this happens in the renewal of the earth, right? After the millennial kingdom, I believe, a time of a renewal of the earth and then the new heaven and the new earth, right? That's what it's describing. And then it says then, and the, and, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Since all these things are to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for, hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the earth and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. And then it gets to the good part. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth in which dwells righteousness. So God is going to burn the curse out of this whole world someday. And then we will be in a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem and righteousness will dwell there. Everything you ever long for, you, you know, will be there. One more, one more. Uh, Revelation 20. This always helps to go to the end of the Bible and just read it, right? Read the end. It helps, right? Revelation 21. Little descriptions of the eternal state will, will, will hearten us. Should you give up when you go through something sad? Should you give up when you're misunderstood or slandered or when you have heartache happen to you, when you're passing through a dark patch, should you just stop or should you keep going? When I give people counsel, I often say to them, you know, while you're going through this dark season in your marriage, don't stop serving the Lord. Don't stop obeying the Lord right now. Because it's like your chain just was going along this like that alpine, you know, track 
and it's beautiful. There's flowers in the spring, and then snow-capped mountain peaks, and it's beautiful, you know, like beautiful lakes down beneath, and, and, and it's all beautiful. And then all of a sudden, you plunge into a tunnel. There's total darkness, and you don't know where you're going, and it isn't pretty anymore. And you don't know how long the tunnel is. So you don't want to stop right there, right? You, you want to keep going, right? It's just an analogy. Don't stop in the dark tunnels. Don't, don't doubt in the dark what God showed you in the light. V. Raymond Edmund at, at, at Wheaton said, don't doubt in the dark what God showed you in the light. Don't stop when you're in a dark tunnel. Keep serving God. Keep moving forward. Even if you have to move forward in faith, just keep obeying God. So this summer I met with pastors. Honestly, my heart was so broken this summer. Just so broken. Sad things were happening to my girl. Sad things were happening to me. Sad things were happening to my family. And my heart was just broken. And they, and they, they assigned me to preach to preachers, mountain preachers in Oneida Baptist Institute down in Kentucky. And a lot of those pastors' hearts were broken too. And I would talk with them and I would say, you know, one said that my church forced me out and now I don't have a job. I don't know if I'm ever going to get another job. And my, kid, and my kids wonder, we live in a parsonage, we've got to leave. And my kids wonder what we're going to do. My girl was going to go to college, and now I can't afford for her to go to college. You know, stuff like that. Just broke your heart. But I noticed something. Some of those guys said, I said, well, where, where are you serving the Lord right now? Like, what are you doing? How are you serving the Lord right now? And they would say, like, I'm not. I just, I kind of quit. I kind of set aside. I need to take some time. Now, I don't want to be hard on people, but if you look in the Bible, you know, Paul had some hard times, right? When he would go to a town, they would stone him. Then what he would do is say, I'm going to take 30 days off and go to a pastor's retreat. I don't think it's wrong to have a pastor. I'm just saying, he didn't, it's not what he did. He's like, he would let, it was almost like he wiped the blood off and went back in town the next day. Now, I'm not being hard, but I'm just sharing something I think is helpful. This is what I did. I remember one time years ago, I wanted to preach on Sundays. I was running this ministry and I wanted to preach. I said, Lord, you know, I'd love to preach and I don't have anywhere to preach. And then he's like, I was staying in a hotel. And it's like the Lord said, see those guys right down there, those homeless guys in the street? They'll listen to you if you talk to them. Go buy them breakfast and you can preach all day. I'm like, yes, sir. You don't have to quit serving the Lord just because you're sad. Serve the Lord while you're sad. Serve the Lord. See what I mean? Like, what, what message would I have if when things were hard, I gave up and quit? You know, right? You got to keep moving forward in that dark tunnel that you're in. You got to take the next step of obedience. And God will strengthen you. You think I can't do it? Yes, you can. God will strengthen you. God will strengthen you. Go help somebody else. Go serve somebody else. Go, and and you're, you're, you're going to notice when you do that having passed through a dark valley, people will listen to you like they didn't listen before. There'll be a gravitas. There'll be a weight to your word because you've been through a dark valley. Because you've been through it. They'll, they'll listen to you more. You'll have a more, a more powerful. And so in Revelation 21, here's, when we get to the end, here's the description. Revelation 21, 1, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. Which, is, which stands for all that's dark and evil and chaotic in the, in the Hebrew world there. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Did you know that heaven's coming down to us? Did you know that? That's what the Bible teaches. Heaven's coming down. The new heaven, the new earth, and, and, and the new Jerusalem's coming down from out of heaven from, from God. Prepares a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man he will dwell with them they will be his people god himself will be with them as their god and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore those are former things they have passed away this is the promise of the bible 
In, the, in verse chapter 22, the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, and also on either side of the river, the tree of life, where there's 12 kinds of fruit, yielding fruit every month. That'll mean it'll always be blossom time in heaven, won't it? Fruit every month of the year, always blossom time in heaven. I, I don't know. It's, it's beggars the imagination to try to understand how beautiful it will be. We have, you see, you have every reason, if you know the Lord, to be optimistic. It's only realistic. Amen? So now, when I say, are you a realist, you can raise your hand. And then when you say, are you an optimist, you can raise your hand again. Because it's only realistic to be optimistic. It'd be a great bumper sticker, wouldn't it? Now, here's, another, here's one more. Here's one more. And you know, God has ordained that we have three-point sermons somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah, right? Here, here's, the, here's the, I'm kidding. That's not true. Uh, number three. Kind of like the last one. And I'll tell, tell it to you this way. My daughter Holly was sitting in, my, in our house a few years ago. And I was in my recliner. She was on the love seat. And it was kind of quiet. And she says to me, Dad, can I tell you something? She said, I listen to you talk to people on the phone. And she said, sometimes you say something to them, and I just wanted to tell you how it makes me feel when you say it. It's just so powerful. I said, well, what, what is it that I say that's so powerful? She says, a lot of times you'll say to somebody, you have a really bright future. When you say that, that's just so powerful. I go, you know why, right? Because that's what the Bible says. The path of the just is like a shining light that shines brighter and brighter until the full light of dawn. If you know the Lord, you have a bright future. The world around you is dark, but you're the light of the world. And, and things are hard, but if you want to be realistic, you should be optimistic, right? And furthermore, you have a bright future. No matter how dark your past is, you have a bright future. No matter how dark the valley is you're traveling through right now, God has promised you a bright future. Because the path of the just is like a shining light that shines brighter and brighter until the full light of dawn. You are a victor. You are a winner. You are an overcomer. You are a Nike overcomer. And then listen to what it says in Proverbs and chapter 24. It says Proverbs 24 and verse 16. And by the way, the passage I just referred to was Proverbs 4 and verse 18. You should write that down. But Proverbs 24 and verse 16, I, I've always loved this. It's helped me a lot because I've fallen, I've stumbled many times, right? And the Bible says to the wicked man, don't pick on a righteous man because he may fall down, but he will always get up again, right? And that's why it says it right here, verse, verse 16, the righteous falls seven times, but he rises up again, but the wicked will stumble in a time of calamity. If you know the Lord, you're going to fall sometimes, but you're going to persevere the old theologians call the perseverance of the saints. That's a wonderful phrase. Saints, by their very nature, are persevering types. We're going to get back. We're like the weebles. We wobble, but we don't fall down. We get back on our feet. We don't stop. We might get beat up, but we're not beat down. We're, we, we're cast down, but we're not destroyed, right? And, and, and this is the way Jesus was, why we love him. Well, well, years ago, I was trying to think of a really nice place to take Lois on our anniversary. And I thought it would be good to take a Michigan girl to Mackinac Island. So we saved up our money, and I got this, I got this hotel room on, in this little place called Stonecliff Manor. It was the cheapest I could find. It was the very peak, top of this inexpensive place that you had there, right? But it was really beautiful, and it overlooked the Straits of Mackinac. 
And so it was a wonderful time. And we went together. Lois is a night owl, and I'm a morning lark. And so she stays late, uh, up at night and produces a lot of good things, and I get up in, in the morning and try to produce things. And uh, we were on this anniversary, and they were going to have a brunch. It wasn't until a little bit later. And I just woke up real early, and I thought, I want to do something. So I took my bike, and I took it down the steep backside of, the, of a kind of a cliff to the... You know, you've been on Mackinac Island, it has that eight-mile uh, ride. You can go all the way around. It kind of undulates a little bit, but it's basically pretty good riding for a bike. So it was still dark when I got my bike out. And I took it down the steep backside of this uh, place. I got on my bike, and I started riding north around the island. And, 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 and the, you, could, you could see the light kind of coming in to the lake. It was like pink, and it was purple, and it was blue, and it was golden. And, and then I rode around the north side, and I came down the east side overlooking Lake Huron. And up ahead, there was a clear sky, and up ahead there was, there was a little rise in the pavement. I'll never forget the feeling that I had that morning. It was this happy day, and I was riding my bike along. And when I rode, rode up that little ride, it's like I rode into the sunrise. There was the sun golden in its beauty and just glorious and warm and beautiful. And this passage has sprung into my heart. The path of the just is like that. It's like a shining light. It shines brighter and brighter until the full light of dawn. And right now you might be in darkness. So you might have a dark past or you might have things that are breaking your heart right now. But if you keep moving forward in the Lord, he's promised that you have the brightest future. But now what, what, if, you, what if you don't know the Lord? None of these promises are for you. None of them. It's much, it's, it's horrifyingly bad. It's worse than I can describe. And if you don't know the Lord, I've become to know him. And here's how we, here's how you could do that. We have prayer teams, sensitive people that love the Lord, that come at the end of the service, not during the service, but at the end. And when everybody goes that way, you can just walk up here and say, I need you to pray for me. And you can ask them questions about your spiritual life. Or you can, all of the pastors, our cell phones are on the bulletin. You can call us or text us anytime. We'll get with you right away and explain how you can know the Lord. But if you know the Lord, you, you still have the option of, of kind of going toward the Lord or, or walking away. Sherry Carlson's going to come. We've asked her to sing today. And she's going to sing a, a beautiful song of, of invitation. And while you listen to this song, can I just say to you, if you know the Lord, even if things are hard and dark, move toward him now. Move toward him. If you don't know the Lord, then by all means, take care of that before you leave.